Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. for this first Sunday after the Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord, is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, beginning at the first verse. Listen to me, you coastlands. Pay attention, you faraway peoples. The Lord called me from the womb. When I was inside my mother, he mentioned my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me a polished arrow. He concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my glory. But I said to myself, I have labored in vain. I spent my strength and came up empty with nothing. Yet a just verdict for me rests with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. But now the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to turn Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him, so that I will be honored in the eyes of the Lord. Because my God has been my strength, the Lord said, It is too small a thing that you should just be my servant to raise up only the tribes of Jacob and to restore the ones I have preserved in Israel. So I will appoint you to be a light for the nations, so that my salvation will be known to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. The second lesson is found in Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. We die to sin. How can we go on living to it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by this baptism into his death. So that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would also walk in a new life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him to make our sinful body powerless, so that we would not continue to serve sin. For the person who has died has been declared free from sin. And since we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death no longer has control over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way also, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter beginning at the fourth verse. 
John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locust and wild honey. He preached, One more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. I am well pleased with you. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace Mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The portion of God's word for our consideration this morning is the psalm of the day, Psalm 2, written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples grumble in vain? The kings of the earth take a stand, and the rulers join together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us tear off their chains and throw off their ropes from us. The one who is seated in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he speaks to them in his anger, and in his wrath he terrifies them. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. You will smash them with an iron rod. You will break them to pieces like pottery. So now you kings, do what is wise. Accept discipline, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, or he will be angry, and you will be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. <coughs> How blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of our Lord. Dear fellow redeemed sons and daughters of God most high, brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, recipients <coughs> of the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament. Do you dread turning on the news? I, I don't even watch the news anymore. What blasphemy will be presented to us today? As it seems not only our own nation, but all the various nations of the world seem to be hurtling farther and farther away from God's plan. As the world seems to be spinning out of control, as things 
aren't what they used to be. And it seems to get worse and worse and worse. And it seems that nobody is getting, so to speak, their comeuppance. When will it stop? We know when it will stop. It will stop when the angels from heaven blow their trumpets on the last day. We know that for certain. But as we live here now, at times don't we wish for earlier days? Days when it didn't seem as if it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And then we turn to Psalm 2, and we have to admit, with King Solomon in the, in the words of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. The psalmist asks, why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples grumble in vain. The kings of the earth take a stand and the rulers join together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us tear off their chains and throw off their ropes from us. But they're assuming an adversarial relationship with the Lord. And it's not only the rulers and those in power, but don't we often hear that from people, and maybe we're often tempted to think that ourselves about the relationship that even we might have with the Lord. Being a Christian, it can be burdensome at times, we might be tempted to think. To live under God's law, to not enjoy life. It harkens back to the temptation that Satan had for Eve and also for Adam in the Garden of Eden. To just be free from it all, to live as we want to live, to throw off those so-called shackles that we might imagine that God's law places on us. But that's not how God treats us though we might be tempted to think that way, and the, the psalmist says the nations, the kings of the earth are acting that way, seeing God as a cruel overlord, as an evil taskmaster, as saying, you have to live thus and so, and thou shalt and thou shalt not. But yet, what did Jesus come to do? Did he come as a second lawgiver? Did he come as a second Moses to hand down even more laws? No. He came to set us free. He came to set the world free from sin, from the terror and from the shackles that were there because of sin, because of the disobedience against God. Yet the psalmist goes on to say, to those who would rebel against God, and even those in power who would rebel against God, that the one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. And the words here in Hebrew are not just a slight chuckle. These are laughs and 
scoffs of derision. And they're not just one time. They're ongoing. The Hebrew verb makes that very clear. It's not just a one-time action. It's, a, it's an ongoing action on the part of the Lord, really saying, you, you think you're in charge? Really? You really think you're in charge? The Lord would say to those who would stand against him, who would plot against the Lord, even in their rage and their anger. Now for us, as Christians, who look to the Lord for comfort, even in these days when we may be afraid even to turn the news on for fear of what we're going to see, these are words of comfort. Because the Lord reminds us, who is in control? Who is laughing and scoffing at those that would say, no, we're going to throw off the control of the Lord. We're going to be the ones in control. And even though they may seem to be in control for a short time, the Lord is ultimately in control because he goes on to say he speaks to them in his anger and in his wrath. He terrifies them. And for the unbeliever, this would be terror, but for the believer... For those who look to the Lord in faith, for those who look to the Lord for comfort in difficult times, for those who look to the Lord for shelter, when all of the world seems to be off of its hinges, the Lord says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And who is that king? Who has the Lord installed? Who did the Lord say in Mark chapter 1? We heard just earlier. You are my son. With you I am well pleased. The Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Father, the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. And who was that standing in the Jordan? Next to John the Baptist, that is Jesus, the Son of God, come to be our Savior. A message of great joy for us. A message of joy knowing God is in control, and God is the one calling the shots, and God is the one with the plan, and God is the one who has done this. In fact, when he says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain, in the words of the psalmist, it appears in the future. For us, it's in the past. But the point is, this is a certain and done deal. Whether for the believers in the Old Testament, for whom it was in the future, or for us who look back, at the birth of the Savior on Christmas, the baptism of the Savior at the Jordan, the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of the Savior on Good Friday and Easter. This is a done deal. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished, it's done. No more payment remains. 
He is the one set in place by God the Father. He is the one who fulfills God's plan. He is the one who has won for us salvation, and he is the one who is in charge. And we take comfort in that when we see a world spinning out of control. We may be tempted to think all is lost. The Lord is the one in control. The psalmist goes on and says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. You will smash them with an iron rod. You will break them to pieces like pottery. Yes, there is judgment. Sadly, judgment for those who do not believe. For those who do not see Christ as the Savior. For those in the first verses of Psalm 2 who may raise, rise up in rebellion against the Lord. So what are we to do? Are we to stand by and simply wring our hands and say, well, there's not really anything I could do. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the word. We have the word. We can invite. We can tell others of the Savior. The message that we so cherish is not ours not to cherish and then just to hold on to as if it's a, a possession that we dare not share. But if we know others in our daily lives, in our families even, who do not know the Lord, to share that message with them so that they do not fall under that judgment, that the time is still there. The time of grace still exists. The trumpet has not yet been blown. The last day is not here. But the Lord makes it very certain there will be judgment. The smashing to pieces like pottery and smashing with an iron rod very terrible punishments. And we would not want anyone, anyone to undergo them. So motivated by the gospel, by the pure joy that we have because of Christ's love for us, if we know any who do not yet know the Lord, there still is time. The psalmist goes on and says, so now you kings do what is wise. You see, even the Lord has not given up on them. The Lord pleads with them, do what is wise. Kiss the son. Look to him. In fact, earlier, he says, he calls him his anointed one. Now in Hebrew, that's the word Messiah. In Greek, we know it better as Christ, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. Again, referring back to his baptism, the beginning of his public ministry. Anointed clearly by the Father and by the Holy Spirit. Without a doubt, this is the Christ. The voice that thundered from heaven, the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. Is there any doubt? 
Is there any other? No, of course not. This is the Christ anointed to be prophet, priest, and king, to be the savior of the world. And at the end, where so much of this psalm talks of judgment, talks of God's wrath against those who would conspire against him, yet all is not lost. God speaks to those nations, to those people who would conspire, and he, and he gives them the gospel. I have set up my son on my holy hill. And then he says, how blessed are all who take refuge in him. And the word blessed occurs so often in the Psalms. It talks about the believers. Blessed, happy, joyous. Blessed, happy, and joyous because of the truth that all believers share in the truth, the knowledge, the faith, the trust in Christ, the forgiveness of sins won for us by his death and resurrection. The forgiveness of sins that lifts that burden from our conscience. That says there's nothing to fear. The judgment day is not a day of fear, but a day of joy. A day when we'll be raised to the glories of heaven and join those who have gone before us in faith. To stand around the throne of God and sing his praises. To leave the world of sorrow behind. This joy is ours, that sure and certain hope of, yet, of what we do not yet see. But of what scripture speaks of over and over again. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Not some. Not most. <coughs> but, <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me. But all. All who hope in the Lord with that faith given through word and sacrament. This too, a gift from God. This, too, part of God's plan, sure and certain, and he has won this for you. And so when you are distressed, when you read the newspaper, when you see the news, when it seems like things are spiraling out of control, when it seems like Satan has the upper hand, remember who is there. And who has won for you eternal life? And who is ultimately in control? It is the Lord who has sent his anointed one. Jesus, baptized, proclaimed to be the Son of God, who has won for you life eternal. Amen. May the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Amen.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.